Attention listeners, thank you for choosing the In-Flight Movie Podcast. The captain has turned on the broadcast sign, so please take your seat, relax, open your favorite bottle of whiskey, and enjoy. As Jeremy... When we were kids, um, we actually had to go to a place and pick out a movie, and it was on a thing called a cassette. And Brandon... Movies have always been kind of like an escape for me, away from society and from school and from work. Discuss whiskey and movies. The show will begin in three, two, one. Brandon, are you on the phone? Uh, yeah. Are, who are you calling? We're starting the podcast. I, I'm calling the United Brotherhood of it. It's none of your damn business. It's the American president on the in-flight movie podcast. The president has asked me to convey to you that he's sending his energy bill to the floor with a call for a 10% reduction. The president's expecting our full support. Yes, he is. The Sydney. president's dreaming, AJ. The president Sydney has... critically misjudged reality. If he honestly thinks that the environmental community is going to whistle a happy tune while rallying support around this pitifully lame mockery of environmental leadership, then your boss is the chief executive of Fantasyland. Good morning, Mr. President. How are you today? I couldn't be better. My apologies for the interruption. Mr. President, I don't know what to say. I'm speechless. All evidence to the contrary. What would happen if I called Sydney Wade and asked her to be my date at the state dinner on Thursday evening? <sighs> the president can't just go out on a date. I'm having dinner at the White House. I'm having lunch at the Kremlin. I don't know what happened. One minute I was calling him a mockery of an environmental leader. The next minute I had a date. She didn't say anything about me. Well, no, sir, but I can pass her a note before study hall. Would you like to dance? Yeah, I guess. I mean, yes, sir. I'd love to. Never mind that she is the hired gun of an ultra-liberal political action committee. And never mind that his 12-year-old daughter is sleeping down the hall. Lucy, are you okay with this? My having dinner with a lady? Dad, it's cool. Just go for it. In the past seven weeks, 59% of the country has begun to question your family values. This poll doesn't talk about my presidency. This poll talks about my life. I, I gotta nip this in the bud. This has catastrophe written all over it. Sydney, the man is the leader of the free world. He's brilliant. He's funny. He's an above-average dancer. Isn't it possible our standards are just a tad high? Welcome back to another episode of the In-Flight Movie Podcast. My name is Jeremy Remiger, alongside... Brandon Lewis. Brandon Lewis, my podcasting partner. We have a great movie on tap for today, but yes. as always, we will start with the whiskey. Yes, the bourbon and the whiskeys and the, and the drinks. And if you're just, if you're just, if this is like you saw the title of the movie in the title of the podcast and you're wondering what In-Flight Movie Podcast means... Brandon and I like to drink whiskey. We do. And uh, we will sample some whiskey 
uh, in each episode and a, a sample of whiskey, maybe four little sample pours of whiskey is a flight. You also might be flying in an airplane and watch a movie. So we thought in flight movie podcast. In flight movie, it's a it's one of those double entendre. Double kind of entendre. It is. It's a double entendre. But our flight is whiskey samples. Brandon, what are you sampling this evening? Tonight I am drinking Russell's Reserve. That is one of my great bourbon whiskey. It, it is, is such a good so bourbon. Good. It is so good. Single barrel. Uh, it is 110 proof, so get ready. Uh, and uh, it is just so good. Um, Russell's is, you know, I mean, it's it's one of the big ones, but it's not huge. Like it's, they do well. Um, do. But I I got this when I was down in Kentucky. Um, it is it is fantastic. It's a little sharp, so I don't yeah. drink it a lot. But it is uh, it's good for a for a night like tonight, a, a, a cool you know, 89 degrees here at 8.45 p.m. in St. Louis in August. But so I had to kind of warm myself up with little Russell's. Yes, yes. Uh, color of that bourbon is uh, pretty dark. Um, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Nice. It is aged. So uh, I am drinking, um, I actually went out and got a bottle for this episode specifically. Oh. Because... I picked the movie. I watched the movie again. And I realized that this movie deserves to be celebrated. So I got a bottle of <laughs> Knob Creek Single Barrel Select Bourbon. That is just sounds fancy. It has the bottling, the barrel date on it. It was barreled on October 24th, 2012. Oh, wow. 10 years. You got a 10 year whiskey there. 10 years ago. Wow. And, and for those is. of you who have never had Knob Creek, like it is, it is much better than maybe the name suggests. Like it is, it should be considered top tier if it's not like, but it's not top tier priced. It's pretty mid rim, right? Yeah. I think it's better than, I think it's better than bullet. Um, well, hold on. That's blasphemy I, in this household. I know. I'm sorry. I mean, I love bullet. <laughs> yeah. But if I had if but, somebody was like, you get a free bottle of bullet, you get a free bottle of Knob Creek. I would, Definitely take the Knob Creek. Sure, yeah, yeah. No, I I, I definitely enjoy Knob Creek. Um, and Bullet is going to be more expensive than your Knob Creek. So yeah, it's it it definitely has a comparison to it. So I I got it at Costco, and I'm not embarrassed to say that. But I was, you know, they have a pretty good bourbon selection at yeah. Costco. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, I was like just going back and forth, like what do I going to get? They had some good Japanese whiskey there, which I'll probably have at some point during these shows. We, yeah, we'll have it. We'll have a Japanese night where we both so good. We'll do tour, 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 or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and th- there's a Costco worker in the aisle, which was strange because you never see one. Sure. Uh, and he goes, uh, "Have you ever had that Knob Creek single barrel?" And I said, "No." And he goes, "Do you like the taste of warm butter?" <laughs> I'm not kidding. And I, I was like, who doesn't like the taste right. of warm right. butter? He's I'm like, a Midwesterner. Oh. He's like, it's so, and he like put his hand to his mouth. I was like, done, sold. So I got it. And he wasn't wrong. It is delicious. I'm from the Midwest. I put warm butter on my Cheerios in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> of course, I'm going to like Knob Creek single barrel. Yeah, Thanks for it tastes like warmed butter. You are right. Yeah, yeah. I'm right yeah. there with you. Right. Well, so a movie that's like warm butter. Yeah great segue the american president goes down smooth 
I dropped I dropped this on you after dropping Dave on you. Yeah. Oh, geez. Two two political executive two branch movies in a presidential row. Presidential movies in a row. Yeah, I uh but I had to. Yeah. I, to. I mean Aaron Sorkin is, I mean, we know everybody knows if you know me that like a Sorkin file, but sure. uh this movie is special. Why don't you give us your guess as to what you thought this movie would be about <laughs> yeah. last All right. week. Here Let's we go. do that now. So your assignment is the American president. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, I have no idea. Um, I can actually just like see the movie poster. That's it. It's like, okay, who's the, I can't, you can't tell me anything. I can tell you the actor. Tell me the actor. Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas. Okay. All right, American president. Um, I'm going to go with, he's the president of the United States. His wife dies. He's a widow. And now he has to date as the president of the United States. And it's like the dynamics of, dating a, a person as you are the president and you've never seen this movie no how did i do did i get it spot on we'll talk about it next. all right the next episode huh yes That's yes That's, it hurts my soul yeah all right yeah. well all right i'm I'm just gonna call. I'm calling it. you out. You're a liar. No, I'm not. I did not. I had not seen this movie before. That, if I can just ask the editing crew, can I get like some sound effect or something like that for a perfect score? That is correct. Thank you. Appreciate it. I nailed this one. I've never seen it though, Jeremy. I don't know what you're talking about. I get. I guess the the poster gives it away. And you did look at the poster, right? Yeah, As I looked said. at the poster. Yeah. So that makes sense. I think. The, I'm gonna give. I'm giving you an 11 out of 10 on guessing this movie correctly. Okay, if, thank if you. You you took all the context clues from the movie poster and hit it out of the park. The one thing that I will say is, is that if you just listen to your description of the movie, you might not expect the amount of policy work and behind the scenes. Oh yeah, you know that we get. Yeah, in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I gave you definitely like the you've got male version of the American president more than, as we'll talk about later, the West Wing version of the American president. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't know what to say. It was I, as I was watching it again, I kept thinking to myself, have you seen this? Have you seen this? And I I don't remember a single line from that movie. And I was just laughing the entire time or or smiling the entire time um, by how good it was. Um, so I. Again, I, I'll confirm after watching it. First time. First yeah, time. That was uh, that it is good. So uh, quick rundown, and you yeah. heard it in Brandon's recap. The president is a widow. We learn in the movie that his wife dies of cancer, and it either happens right before he runs for president the first time or during. So he's a widow in office, and he finally meets a woman that uh, he's attracted to, and she just happens to be a lobbyist for the most powerful climate activist group in the country at the time. Yeah. And they fall in love and it's yeah. tricky and it's messy and it gives you the politics and it gives you 
the stuff that a president has to do to make things work at times. And so it's not just a love story, but I mean, that's the, I mean, there's not really a whole lot of recapping that needs to be done other than the president's sure. a widow. He meets this woman. Yeah. He's a popular president. Very popular. And he wonders so if it's because he's a widow. Right. He, so the constant pull, push pull throughout the movie is, you know, is he going to take a, 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 a popularity hit um, for dating while he's president? And that's kind of one of the big questions brought up over and over again uh, throughout the movie. Um, you know, it's, it, it's up for debate whether that's resolved at all at the end based on how the movie ends. Um, but they, they bring it up five or six times throughout the movie. Yeah, it's a, it, it's just, it's so smooth. I mean, it's just yeah. a smooth, it's a, I, I can't say enough about it. Yeah, tight, tight two hours. It's great. Tight, tight two hours, never feels long. It never, never felt feels long to me. Long. No, no. We get a good, we get a good Sork and Walk and Talk right out of the gate. We do, yeah. Movie, yeah. <laughs> including credits, the movie is straight walking and talking for four minutes and 37 seconds. Wow. It takes them four minutes and 37 seconds for the president to go from the residence mm -hmm. downstairs okay. through yep. the hallways and to the Oval Office where he finally stops. The conversation continues. And that's all one cut. It's all one cut. It's a Sorkin. It's a Sorkin, you know. So I don't, I don't know. Benchmark, not, right? not everyone's a Sorka, Sorka file like you yeah maybe who is aaron sorkin a little bit more so maybe people can connect this movie to sure i was going to go into this later but aaron okay. sorkin is a writer very well known in hollywood he's loved or aided pretty much yeah. he wrote uh, a few good men he wrote this movie he wrote charlie wilson's war he wrote the west wing he wrote sports night he wrote the newsroom social network Moneyball malice molly's game the trial of the chicago seven steve jobs and he his whole his whole shtick is conversation yep just yeah. conversation in fact uh, if you listen to some podcasts that he's interviewed on he practiced writing regular plain conversations before he became <laughs> actually a stage writer so his his start was a few good men but that was actually a, a play um, okay. a stage play that they adapted to be a screenplay later. So oh, it actually wow. first okay. started, A Few Good Men started on Broadway and then and then jumped into the, the movies. And then that's where he kind of took off. Is that on my list? It's going to be on your list. Yeah. Okay, great. We'll, we'll separate out the Sorkins. Right, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you got to give me a week off from a Sorkin. Yeah, we'll be fine. Um, yeah, so he, I, I really got into him with, with West Wing. Um, I never saw this movie until after West Wing. Oh, and then when okay. I saw this movie, I was like, wait, what is the connection here? And then right, we'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll do a little deep dive later on that. But um, good. Yeah, good movie. Yeah. Uh, actors, you want to talk about this yeah. uh, this cast here of all stars? I mean, we look back on these guys. I'm sorry, these these actors and actresses is like the era. Um, I don't I, I mean, you're you're a couple years older than me. I mean, were these were these people as big then as we think of them now? So I know? think I think uh, Michael J. Fox, because of his his battle with Parkinson's, has yeah, become even more iconic. 
Yeah. But like for me, when this movie came out, Back to the Future was done. Okay. I mean, he was he was set. He was getting ready to go into Spin City, which is a great TV series. Yeah. He plays the chief of staff of the mayor of New York City. But yeah, Michael J. Fox was a yes, towering. I mean, he was a, okay. Michael Douglas is Michael Douglas. Martin Sheen. Right. Um, Annette Benning. She yeah. was in a. I think I remember her first from Dick Tracy. Okay. She was in Dick Tracy. And then uh and then like just the most under like undersold role in movie history is Richard Dreyfus's Bob Rumson. That's Richard. Oh Dreyfus. yeah. From Mr. Holland's Opus and Jaws and oh and yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So Richard wow. Dreyfus is basically the Hollywood version of uh Oh wow! Okay, I see it now. I didn't even um, think about that. Dick Cheney, basically. Oh wow! Okay. Did you not recognize that was him? no? I well, I I saw the hairline. I'm like, that's clearly a a fake. It's a fake hairpiece. Yeah, but like definitely fake. But I was just like, who is that supposed to be? I just I didn't even think to look it up or anything like that. Um, There's no yeah. known connection to Dick Cheney, but like when you when you when you see him, you're just like, mm, sure, good serious Dick Cheney vibes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So again, Michael Douglas, Michael J. Fox, Martin Sheen, Annette Benning, uh, Anna Devery Smith. Again, another from the West Wing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Michael Douglas plays the president. Michael J. Fox, the domestic advisor. Martin Sheen. I think I got chief of staff from yep, the movie. You're correct. Okay. Yep. I couldn't think if it was like vice president or chief chief yep. of staff. Annette Benning plays uh, the environmental. Um, uh, lawyer who uh, Michael Douglas falls in love with. Call uh, her name is Sydney Ellen Wade, and then uh, Anna Devery Smith plays the press secretary. She has a kind of an in and out role, but I mean, she does a lot of in and out in and out roles like this for these types of movies for Sorkin and and stuff like that. She's she's got a great track record as well. So I just want to touch on a couple of people that we don't have listed, but yeah. John Mahoney, who yeah. is the dad from Frasier, yeah, is actually the head of the gdc mm -hmm. uh which is the climate activist agency yeah so he's basically annette benning's boss yeah and then uh completely blanking on his name all this <laughs> will bailey from the west wing is in this movie. yeah uh josh josh molina josh molina yeah josh molina josh yeah. if you ever hear this i listen to every single west wing I know. I guess that you did, and I apologize. You're, but yeah, he's probably my, you're probably one of my favorite characters in that. Yeah. Besides he, Rob Lowe, like that's well, he took Rob Lowe's place. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great. Yeah. Great so job. he he does good in this movie, and uh, yeah, it's really good. Just really yeah. good. So why do I love this movie? I love yeah. this movie. I first loved The West Wing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a really cool story about how The West Wing happened because of this movie. But I love this movie because it's real. Like, if we compare it to Dave, which we did, you know, two weeks ago. Right. I like that movie, too. And there's some, like, messiness with politics in there, but it's pretty schmaltzy. Yeah. And while the love stuff with, with Michael Douglas and Annette Bening can be schmaltzy at times, this movie gets, like, gritty, a little gritty. And yeah. um, the sacrifice, and I know we'll get to this in scenes, but the sacrifice that he thinks he has to make for political gains is really tough. And I just think it shows, I have no idea what it's like to be president. 
that don't ever want to know what it's like to be president. <laughs> but I think maybe this movie, more than others, are the maybe best, other than the West Wing, gives you a glimpse of how hard it is to be president of the United States. Yeah. Yeah. And I would agree with you on that. Like, and also just like a public servant at that level, because all these people in this movie are under like tremendous pressure and stress to like get it right. Um, to fight what they for what they believe in, but also like balancing like what can they legitimately get done versus like their highest ambitions, right? Like so there's several debates that go on throughout this movie, and they're constantly balancing and talking about like we we can't get that done or we could get that done. And that is really cool. I like to see I like to see people excited and passionate about the thing that they're doing. I know that seems cheesy and I mean, I'm a teacher, so I love doing my job every day, but like it's 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 always good to like see people passionate about what they're doing. I think the actors do a great job of showing how government employees, especially at this level, can can be really passionate and probably are really passionate about, you know, their their jobs. Yeah. And what they're doing. Yeah, it's just good move. I mean, it's it's like you don't you're never wondering when it's going to end, you know? I mean, that's yeah. how I felt. Yeah, yeah. I was I was surprised. Uh, it's, so it's a, it's a solid two hours. But, like, I was right. surprised whenever the final scene kind of came up and I looked at my, you know, my streaming on my phone. I only saw there was, like, 12 minutes left. I'm like, oh, wow. This doesn't feel like the end of the movie. It feels like they could really go on for another 45 or hour. Uh, right. They really wanted yeah. to, but, but they... They really capped it at the end, I think, well, um, but they they definitely could have put a lot more policy, a lot more debate into this um, pretty easily. Yeah. And they dance around the, the widowed. They don't really dance around. They go right at it. But him being a widow and how like weird that would be for America. Yeah. To have a widowed president. I know we've had widowed president. Wood, Wood, uh, Woodrow Wilson is probably the last one. But, you know, it's funny he came up in dave too but yeah. <laughs> um yeah they just he, like they just don't they don't really dance around any of it it's all there and even that scene where we're, we probably won't cover it but the scene where uh anna Devere smith says we've never had a problem prancing you around as a lonely widower and just sort of slips out of her mouth yeah and and yeah. and she's like horrified yeah but it also gives you, as we said earlier, the, 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 the political gain yeah. that he has for having lost his wife. Right, right. And it, I, I think she does a great job um, in like showing on her face how shocked she is by her own words, which is really strange to think like these people rehearse these lines and then you have to try to show shock and awe yourself after just repeating a line you probably repeated a hundred times um but she has to like walk up she has to like apologize immediately and and you know michael douglas just kind of like goes eh, no big deal don't worry about it <laughs> like it is it's good it's really good yeah you know what let's let's listen to that real quick yeah what if i lose this then move this up here David Sasser from the Times called one to know what the White House felt was a great society. What'd you tell him? I told him I couldn't speak for the president, but for my money, Bermuda. Perfect. 
Mr. President, your cousin Judith's come down with the flu and won't be able to join you Thursday night. I'm sorry to hear that. Remind me to give her a call later today. Yes, sir. You gonna go stag? It's not a problem. No, we've never gone wrong parading you around as a lonely widower. I can't believe I said that. Mr. President, that was an incredibly thoughtless remark. I would never dream of insulting you or the memory of your wife. That's okay. Forget it. What time is it? It's 3.30, sir. I'm going to go up and say hi to Lucy. Uh, you have the Attorney General at 4 and the Trade Rep at 4.30. Somewhere in there, you promised NPR five minutes. Mr. President. Robin, don't worry about it. Well, since we're on scenes. Yeah. Should we go to favorite scenes? Yeah, I, I just trade off punches here, just kind of like the movie does. Okay, uh, I'm going to start at the very beginning, towards the very beginning. Um, it's a very West Wing style scene. Um, Michael Douglas and Martin Sheen are walking back to the residence from the from the Oval Office, and uh, Michael Douglas just, you know, apparently they've been friends for a very long time. Martin Sheen has been his campaign director for a long time, and now he's chief of staff. Which is best man at his wedding, remember? Best, yeah, yeah, best man at his wedding. Yeah, that's that's a great line. And he just says, "Hey, when no one's around, you can call me Andy." And uh, <laughs> Martin Sheen just goes, "Yes, Mr. President," and he just refuses to do it. Like that is uh that is like classic, classic. Like you respect the office and the title above all else. Um, kind of West Wing banter. Yeah, uh, that you will see thirty times. I'll see you in the morning. Good night, Mr. President. AJ. Yes, sir. When we're out of the office and alone, you can call me Andy. I beg your pardon? You were the best man at my wedding for crying out loud. Call me Andy. Whatever you say, Mr. President. Good night, sir. Good night, AJ. There's a scene in West Wing. I promised I wasn't going to go to West Wing a lot, but geez, it's just very difficult. There's a scene in West Wing where Jed Bartlett, who's the president, who's played by Martin Sheen, yeah. uh, has to go to he has to go to confession, um, and and he goes in the Oval Office. He's talking to his parish priest, and he's like, the parish priest is like, from when he was a kid, he's like, do I call you Jed or do I call you Mr. President? And he goes, when I'm in the Oval Office, I prefer that you call me Mr. President. It's not that I think I'm better than you. It's just a respect of the office thing, especially yeah. when I'm in this office. And then he goes to confession, and the the priest calls him Jed in the Oval Office because he's no longer the president. He's Jed, the Catholic who has to go to confession. Yeah. So that, that scene does remind me of West Wing a lot, with, uh, yeah. especially with like, how are you going to address me? Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Favorite scene for you? Uh, well, just starting from the beginning, uh, Wendy Malick plays sort of the failed GDC lobbyist yeah. who's bad at her job. And so they have to bring in Annette Benning to uh, seal the deal on this this uh, uh, climate, the, the yeah. climate, yeah, yeah, um, greenhouse gas bill, and so yep. she's just like Wendy Malick. She's great. She was in Just Shoot Me. Yeah, she's a bunch of other things. She's just really good. Annoyed. I can't stand you, person. Yeah. <laughs> and there's an opening scene where they they finally they're going to the White House, and Sydney Allen Wade is the first time at the white house she's <laughs> yeah. just absolutely beside herself and she's having this conversation with a guard at the front of the white house and wendy malik is not having it and we'll just let you we'll let you listen from here 
Hi, I'm Sydney Ellen Wade. He just needs your driver's I'm license. I'm from Virginia. He doesn't care. I'm here for a meeting with Mr. McInerney. He doesn't need to know that. Oh, forgive me. This is my first time at the White House. I'm trying to savor the Capra-esque quality. He doesn't know what Capra-esque means. Yeah, I do. Frank Capra, great American director. It's a wonderful life. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Sydney Ellen Wade of Virginia. Knock him dead. Thanks. Just the response of that guard also is just, <laughs> he's like, what does he say? He says, uh, um, well, she's, well, when he, she's like the, the, the Capra esque of yeah, it all. Right. And then Wendy Malik, like, I guess she thinks the guard is just dumb as a box yeah. of rocks. She's like, he doesn't know who Frank Capra is. Yeah. He goes, like, of course oh, I, I do. It's a wonderful life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she, he goes, have a lovely day. <laughs> he just knock, like, he goes, knock him, knock Sydney Allen Wade from Virginia, knock him dead. No, knock him dead. <laughs> yeah. That's great. It's such a good scene. Yeah. And that's when you get the you get the it's a dichotomy of Wendy Malik and right. Yeah. Right. Um I know you're about to talk about a scene right before this, but um so eventually the president and 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 uh Annette Benning's character they get together, they have a date, everything goes fine. They eventually she eventually stays the night. Um and you actually have a favorite scene when that kind of starts right yeah what is that scene so the scene is because i'll follow up with mine because it's yeah so the the whole thing is that the annette benning is she's gonna cut it off like like she's like i can't see him this is a professional disaster i'm gonna go over to the white house and tell him that i can't see him anymore right yeah he shows up and she's like i just came over to tell you why i can't see you anymore and then he lets he lets her in his bedroom, and then he goes on this tirade, not a tirade, but it's just like this very like I think he's trying to be kind of uh, chivalrous, yeah. In this, mm-hmm. but he's talking about how she can't have sex with him because she only sees him as the president, right? <laughs> and he's he's trying to to explain why she shouldn't see him as only the, the president. president, and right. he. Michael Douglas nails this scene. Nails nervous nerd. Are you attracted to me? I beg your pardon? I asked if you were attracted to me. That's not the issue. Well, I tell you what, let's make it the issue. Let's try something new because I know that most couples, when they first get together, are inclined to slam on the brakes because they're concerned about Bob Rumson's drool. You're not most people. Do you know what your problem is? What's my problem? Sex and nervousness. Sex and nervousness is my problem. Yes. Last night, we were looking at those place settings in the dish room. I realized those place settings were provided by the first ladies, and I'll bet none of those first ladies were nervous about having sex with their president husbands. And do you know why? No, but I'm sure you'll explain it to me. I will, because they weren't presidents when they first met them. That's not the case here. Oh. You see what I'm getting at? Yes. May I use your bathroom for a moment? Go right through there, right behind you. I just want to freshen up. And as you pass through, you'll see a large closet on the right. And if you feel comfortable, hang up your coat. And when you come back, I'll fix us a drink. We'll sit on the couch and I'll explain to you my plan. You got a plan? Don't make me wait. You're on a roll. Okay. You're attracted to me. 
But the idea of physical intimacy is uncomfortable because you only know me as the president. But it's not always going to be that way. And the reason I know that is there was a moment last night when you were with me and not the president. And I know what a big step that was for you. So, Sydney, I'm in no rush. Here's my plan. We're going to slow down. And when you're comfortable, that's when it's going to happen. Perhaps I didn't properly explain the fundamentals of the slowdown plan. No, you explained it great. Are you nervous? No. Good. My nervousness exists on several levels. Number one, and this is in no particular order, I haven't done this in a pretty long time. Number two, uh, any expectations that you might have given the fact that I'm, you know... The most powerful man in the world. Exactly, thank you. I think it's important you remember that's a political distinction that comes with the office. I mean, if uh, Eisenhower were here instead of me, he'd be dead by now. And number three... When he says, if I was Eisenhower, well, he, I'd be dead by now. Right. He's like literally no idea where he's going. Right, yeah. No, none. <laughs> vamping 100 percent right there it is like so good and uh and then she comes out and she's like you know she's in just a dress shirt of his and she sort of pushes on the mattress yeah to, like test its firmness and then it, that leads into your scene yeah right so the next day comes about and it's early and uh the president like answers the phone and it's michael j fox's character and he's like okay yeah sure uh-huh okay and then all of a sudden he looks up and you know annette benning is like getting dressed and she's just like all right i'm just gonna i'm gonna try to leave before the press get here <laughs> and then knock 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 michael j fox is at the door um and walks in and he goes oh hello mr president oh hello sydney <laughs> and he just like progressively more and more advisors come in to like <laughs> help her like escape the media attention outside the the because everyone knows she's there they've yeah. been following her so more and more staff come in to help and she's just like super embarrassed but he's just like that's what we do like this is and so that's that that's like one of my favorite parts of the whole movie let's take a listen because i have a comment on this A.M. You've got to get yourself a life, man. Yeah. All right. Sydney? Hi. What are you doing? Uh, I wanted to leave the building before the press corps got here. I have those same thoughts every day of my life. <laughs> Say, so you know Louis Rothschild, don't you? Sure. Boy, Louis would go nuts if he knew I spent the night. Well, he's on his way up. What? Come on in, Louis. Morning, Mr. President. Hiya, Sydney. Hi, Louis. Well, Mr. President, uh, thanks for taking the time to go over those fossil fuel numbers. I'll just get my coat. Be on my way. 
So what's the situation? Camped out at every exit. Who? Who's camped out? The press. The press is camped out? You should have taken a cab, Sydney. They know my car? Morning, Mr. President. Good morning, Sydney. Hi. I came as soon as Lewis called. Oh, thank God. I think the important thing is not to make it look like we're panicking. See, and I think the important thing is actually not to be panicking. Morning, Mr. President. Morning. Morning, Ms. Wade. Hello. I see everyone's getting an early start today. So how do we exit Sydney from the building, and uh, what do we say to the press at that point? We need a diversion. A diversion? You understand by diversion, I'm not suggesting that we burn down the White House. <laughs> oh, no, please, let's do. Can I just state very clearly, I can't be party to anything illegal. Good for you, Lewis. Just say what you want. It's always the guy in my job who ends up doing 18 months in Danbury minimum security prison. Well, rest easy, Lewis. We're not going to create a diversion. No diversion. We're going to have somebody take you home. Esther's over in my office. She has the station wagon standing by. Okay, good. Now, the press statement. Sydney, when you leave here, you're going to run into reporters and photographers. They're going to take your picture every day. They're going to ask you questions every day. Answer them. Don't answer them. It's entirely up to you. The White House has no official position except to say no comment. No comment? The White House does not comment on the president's personal life. We can't just leave it at that, sir. Well, I'll tell you what, Lewis, we just did. But, sir... Thank you very much, Mr. President. Come, friends, let us away. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Mr. President. Sydney. Esther will be in my office. Take your time. Thanks, AJ. <laughs> Michael J. Fox comes in and he's like, he feigns surprise. Yeah. Right? Like, by the time the last advisor comes in, they're like, Mr. President, Sydney. And like, it's just like, <laughs> yes. nobody, nobody, nobody really surprised. cares. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows what's happening. It's, uh, it's such a good, it is, that's a good scene. Yeah. It's a great scene. Uh, I missed one earlier. I'm going to cut you off here. Um, right after their first date, it doesn't like he has to leave early or something like that. And oh, he has to cancel a date. That's what it is. Um, because the Libyans bombed Seastat. Right. So he has to cancel a date and, and leave early. And so he wants to send flowers. And so he goes to his secretary and he's like, hey, uh, I need the, the number of a flower company in the area. And she goes, oh, who do you want to send them to? He goes, no, no, just give me the number. And she like doesn't understand. She has no idea, no <laughs> so idea whatsoever. He has to like explain exactly what he wants to do, and then he goes in the Oval Office and just fumbles the whole thing. Like can't do it because he doesn't have a credit card. He his credit cards in storage. <laughs> and literally, it's like a five minute scene. I don't know if we're gonna be able to play the whole thing or not, but like the whole interaction is just hilarious. He's just trying to, he's just a guy trying to do a nice romantic thing and he can't <laughs> in the end. It's good. Good morning, Mrs. Chapel. Good morning, Mr. President. Mr. Rothschild and Ms. McCall are in the office, sir. They said they need to speak with you before scheduling. Fine. Janie, can you get me the number of a local florist? I'll take care of it, sir. Where do you want them sent? No, I want to do it myself. I just need the number. I don't understand. I want the phone number of a florist. You just want the phone number? Yeah. I don't understand, sir. Is there a problem? Jeannie, I want to send some flowers. I want to do it myself. I don't want to staff it out. I don't want to issue an executive order. I just want a phone number. I'll get it for you right away, sir. Good morning. Good morning, Good morning Mr. President. Mr. President. We need five minutes of your time I'll before be with scheduling. You in two minutes. I just need to make a call. Thank you, Janie. Who are we calling, sir? 
I'm calling the organization of the United Brotherhood if it's none of your damn business, Lewis. I'll be with you in a second. Yes, sir. Yeah, hi, good morning. How do I get an outside line? Simple. Janie. Yes. What's the president doing? I'm sorry, I'm really not at liberty to say. Yes, hi, good morning. Is this Carmen's House of Flowers? Good, I'd like to order some flowers, please. Well, tell me, what is the state flower of Virginia? Does this have something to do with Sidney Wade? I'm really not at liberty to say. Well, is there anybody there who might know? No, I'm not trying to be difficult. Uh, hang on, please. Janie, what is the state flower of Virginia? Mrs. Chapel, state flower of Virginia? The dogwood. The dogwood, sir. Thank you. It's the dogwood. Really? Hold on, please. <clears throat> Janie, the dogwood is a tree. It's not a flower. Actually, it's a tree and a flower. Are you sure? Yes. What's going on? Sir, it's a tree and a flower. The dogwood is a tree and a flower. I'd like a dozen, please. Really, no dogwoods. How about uh, roses? Simple, classic, two dozen? Janie, I'm the president's senior domestic policy advisor, and it's important I have a full understanding. Janie, do you know where my credit cards are? They're in storage in Wisconsin with the rest of your personal items. Right. Uh, perhaps it would be better if you bill me for the flowers. I'm sure it'll be all right with your boss. Well, I don't know if you recognize my voice, but uh, this is the president. It reminds me of another phone scene. There's two, there's some really good phone scenes. There's some scenes good stuff, movie. yeah. And I think it's hard to do, like, I don't know. I think it would be hard to act like you're on the phone. Do you think anybody's actually on the other line? No. No? They're just no. talking to the nothingness, the Nothing. void? But Annette Bending kills the, where she has, our, this is a back, let's go back. Yeah. There's so many scenes. Yeah. The scene where Annette Bending is like, pontificating in that side office in the west wing and she has <laughs> not yet met the president yeah and she's going off on the president and the president sneaks in behind her and he's like don't let her know that i'm here right yeah and she she just gets done just absolutely verbally eviscerating him and he goes then your boss is the chief executive of Fantasyland. Let's take him out back and beat the shit out of him. Good morning, Good Mr. Morning. President. How are you today? Couldn't be better. That's a great scene. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that that is like cold comedy. <laughs> and, then, and then she's shocked and like she's horrified. And then later on, she gets a call from uh, her boss. And her boss is saying how good of an impression of the president he can do. And she gets off the phone oh, with him. And then the president actually calls and she think yeah thinks it's her boss right and it is it is hilarious yeah no richard no no i don't want to hear your andrew shepherd imitation i want to hear it i'm hanging up now richard uh tonight i was going to go to bed early and wake up when there's a new president <laughs> 
president must think I'm a third-rate jerk. No, if he thinks you're a jerk, I'm sure he thinks you're a first-rate jerk. I'll tell you one thing, boy. I regrouped. You gotta give me that. I pulled it together at the end. I stood in the middle of the Oval Office and I made it absolutely clear that from now on, he who doesn't take the GDC seriously does so at his peril. And then you walked out the wrong door. Are you gonna be throwing that back at me the rest of my life? That's my current plan, yes. Oh, that's gonna be Leo Solomon. He said he'd call at nine. Hello? Yeah, hi. Is this Sydney? Leo? No, this is Andrew Shepard. Oh, it's Andrew Shepard. Yeah, oh. you're hilarious, Richard. You're just a regular riot. No, this isn't Richard. This is Andrew Shepard. Oh, well, I'm so glad you called because I forgot to tell you today what a nice ass you have. I'm also impressed that you were able to get my phone number given the fact that I don't have a phone. Good night, Richard. No, this isn't Richard. This used to be easier. I can't believe this. Do you want me to deal with him? No way. I may choke in front of Shepard. Richard Reynolds, I can handle. Hello? Sydney? Are you learning impaired? Listen, do me a favor. Hang up the phone. What? Hang up the phone, then dial 4561414. Get the White House operator, give her your name, and tell her you want to speak to the president. What's going on? No, it's not possible I did this twice in one day. Good evening, the White House. My name's Sydney Ellen Wade. I'd like to, uh... The president's expecting your call, ma'am. I'll put you right through. Hello. Mr. President, um, I, I, I'm sure there's an appropriate thing to say at this moment. Uh, probably some formal apology for the nice-ass remark would be in order. I just... I don't quite know how to word it. I, I just love, like, <laughs> he gives out the number... He, he tells her to call exactly, back. Yeah, just call me back at this number. Ask for the would president. You, would you call the number and they tell you it's the White House? Yeah, it would be a good idea to believe it. <laughs> hey, fun fact: that's the real number of the White House. It is. It yeah, is. yeah, that's great. Um, on to some more, I guess, serious scenes. Those are all very funny. Um, towards the end of the movie, when things are kind of starting to fall apart, I mean, his approval rating has gone from like. 63% prior to dating to like 47% or something like that. 41, uh, maybe Bob Rumson really takes it to him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like coming up to election season and the staff is getting really frustrated because Michael Douglas, it keeps saying my personal life is not to be discussed. And so the press secretary, Michael J. Fox, all of them, they just have to keep saying no comment. And it's really frustrating for them. They think he should be, he should be fighting back. He should be because uh, the the opposition is is you know challenging his character, and so Michael J. Fox kind of like finally loses it in the Oval Office, and and gives this speech about like that that people um, they drink the sand because they don't know the difference. Um, when when there's nothing else to drink, they will drink the sand. And so all these lies that are being said about the president's character, that's all the people can ever consume because we're they're not fighting back. 
And so Michael J. Fox gives this great speech to the president challenging his power. And I think if you think about the end of the movie, like it, it ends up changing his mind about what to do. It's the turning point of the movie. Yeah. There is that scene and we won't play it because it's just it's it's just vulgarity laced. Yeah. But that scene right before this when Michael J. Fox is on the phone oh, with yeah. uh they're losing a vote in Congress. Yeah. And he like calls him like several names and uh the the polling guy is like, I really hope that was a, a no vote because I thought it was a yes, we gotta treat our people better. Yeah. But yeah, let's let's yeah. hear the Michael J. Fox's speech. Mr. President, I think we have to do this. AJ, she is one vote away. It's important legislation that for the first time has a legitimate chance. She deserves every opportunity. She? You meant hit, didn't you, sir? You meant the important legislation deserves every opportunity. Lewis, shut up. You have something to say to me, Lewis? Respectfully, sir? I think we should examine the new poll for something more than its value. Examine what? They don't like that I'm going out with Sydney. It's not that simple. I think that this poll brings a murky problem in a specific relief. Whose problem are we talking about, Lewis? Yours? You worried about losing your job? Because this poll isn't talking about my presidency. This poll is talking about my life. 264 million 264 people! 264 people don't give a damn about your life. They give a damn about their own. All right, that's enough. <sighs> Mr. President, you've raised a daughter almost entirely on your own. And she's terrific. So what does it say to you that in the past seven weeks, 59% of this country has begun to question your family values? The president doesn't answer to you, Lewis. Oh, yes, he does, AJ. I'm a citizen. This is my president. And in this country, it is not only permissible to question our leaders, it's our responsibility. But you already know that, don't you, Mr. President? Because you have a deeper love of this country than any man I've ever known. And I want to know what it says to you that in the past seven weeks, 59% of Americans have begun to question your patriotism. Look, if people want to listen to... They me, don't have a choice! Bob Rumson is the only one doing the talking! People want leadership, Mr. President. In the absence of genuine leadership, they'll listen to anyone who steps up to the microphone. They want leadership. They're so thirsty for it, they'll crawl through the desert toward a mirage, and when they discover there's no water, they'll drink the sand. Lewis, we have had presidents who were beloved, who couldn't find a coherent sentence with two hands and a flashlight. People don't drink the sand because they're thirsty. They drink the sand because they don't know the difference. Is that Michael J. Fox's best two minutes in movie in his like career? In a movie, yeah, I, I think. I'm not. I, a mean, I never really watched Family Ties. You're probably way too young to have seen Family Ties. Yeah, no, I never seen. That's he, really. That is like. Yeah. For the kid from Teen Wolf and Back to the Future, like that is like some real acting right there. I, I'm going to do a deep dive here for you. I know you've seen it. There's a series in the 90s and early 2000s called Scrubs. Um, oh. Michael J. Fox is a, is a guest on that show as a doctor, and he gives a really good monologue about being a surgeon during that. With Parkinson's. With Parkinson's, yeah. Um I, I think that's really good. How did I forget that? Jeez Louise, that's like my favorite 
This might no, be yeah, it's, I, that's the first thing I thought of whenever I saw Michael J. Fox. That, I mean, that scene just sticks out to me as like, like raw emotion, anger yeah. from Michael J. Fox. I yeah, see because, a lot of that here too. Yeah. The thing from the scene from Scrubs, any, you could find it on YouTube. Yeah. Is that he's, he's showing the symptoms of Parkinson's while he's going. And so it is like, it's a little bit more poignant, but like 1995, Michael J. Fox, like this is oh, like, yeah. This yeah. is like who really? Wow, Michael J. Fox. Okay, this is like this is like raw, untamed emotion. I think when you get to the Scrubs, I don't know, maybe ten years later. Yeah. Uh, after this, like you can, uh, Michael J. Fox is such a better actor at that point. I think. Yeah. Way more practice, so I bet that was a lot easier for him than here, um, sure. where he's a lot younger and and. To be honest, I, I read quite a few things, and maybe you can fill us in more, but like I read quite a few things about this was right as he was starting to uh, exhibit some symptoms of Parkinson's, was yeah. in like 1995, and he had it, he hid it from everyone because he thought it would be a career killer uh, for him. Um, yeah, you can sort of see it in this movie, but it's not like it was during Spin City, and yeah, and then that Scrubs episode is really just, yeah, yeah, I mean, I just, my. My love of Michael J. Fox is just, he's my childhood, and then he became my adulthood, and it's, yeah. Yeah. Um, at um, an hour 35, we're getting towards the end of the movie, there's a real debate about, like, what should the president do with falling poll numbers? Should he attack back? All that stuff. And he has this real internal conflict when he's talking about his opposition, his opposing candidate, and he has this line where he says, has he lied? Has he lied in the past seven weeks? And he's just like having this intense discussion with Martin Sheen, um, his chief, his chief of staff, about because Martin Sheen wants him to attack back, and and Michael Douglas is essentially saying, I, I I can't attack anything. He hasn't lied. I, I I've never served in the military. They say that you know, am I an, a single father that's dating? Yep, I am. Like so, and it it really it crescendos in this intense interaction between the two actors, which is my favorite interaction between the two. It shows really raw emotion um, in which Michael Douglas just goes at uh, Martin Sheen. Listen, I'm going to have Janie clear your schedule for the weekend. You need to get some rest. You handling me, AJ? No, sir. Good, but I will if you don't start taking your head out of your ass. Excuse me? Lewis is right. Go after this guy. Has he lied? What? Has Rumson lied in the past seven weeks? Has he lied? Other than not knowing the difference between Harvard and Stanford, has he said something that isn't true? Am I not a commander-in-chief who's never served in the military? Am I not opposed to a constitutional amendment banning flag burning? Am I not an unmarried father who shared a bed with a liberal lobbyist down the hall from his 12-year-old daughter? And you think you're wrong? I don't think you win elections by telling 59% of the people that they are. We fight the fights we can win. Oh, don't. You don't. fight the fights that need fighting. Is the view pretty good from the cheap seats, AJ? I beg your pardon. Because it occurs to me that in 25 years, I've never seen your name on a ballot. Now, why is that? Why are you always one step behind me? Because if I wasn't, you'd be the most popular history professor at the University of Wisconsin. I mean, it's just like... It's that level of emotion that I, I just love. 
I love that type of visceral emotion because you know it it means something. It it and whenever I get to my critique of this movie a little bit later, um, I'll talk about that level of emotion and where I saw it and where I didn't see it in it to kind of where my score is at the end. Yeah, that's um that's just good. I don't have anything else to add to that. He he says a line, that line about uh if my wife hadn't died, would we have won the election? Yeah. Yeah. And Martin Sheen, you know, they go back and forth about because they couldn't get to a character debate about a guy who just lost his wife. And Martin Sheen says, I would have liked that campaign very much. Yeah. Like, you are stronger than this. So like basically pull your head out and let's get going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And well, this is your, your both of our probably ultimate favorite scenes. Of this movie is the monologue at the end. Yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Let's play it and then we'll talk about it. America isn't easy. America is advanced citizenship. You've got to want it bad because it's going to put up a fight. It's going to say, you want free speech? Let's see you acknowledge a man whose words make your blood boil, who's standing center stage and advocating at the top of his lungs that which you would spend a lifetime opposing at the top of yours. You want to claim this land is the land of the free? Then the symbol of your country cannot just be a flag. The symbol also has to be one of its citizens exercising his right to burn that flag in protest. Now show me that. Defend that. Celebrate that in your classrooms. Then you can stand up and sing about the land of the free. I've known Bob Rumson for years, and I've been operating under the assumption that the reason Bob devotes so much time and energy to shouting at the rain was that he simply didn't get it. Well, I was wrong. Bob's problem isn't that he doesn't get it. Bob's problem is that he can't sell it. We have serious problems to solve, and we need serious people to solve them. And whatever your particular problem is, I promise you, Bob Rumson is not the least bit interested in solving it. He is interested in two things, and two things only, making you afraid of it and telling you who's to blame for it. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how you win elections. You gather a group of middle-aged, middle-class, middle-income voters who remember with longing an easier time, and you talk to them about family and American values and character. And you wave an old photo of the president's girlfriend and you scream about patriotism. You tell them she's to blame for their lot in life. And you go on television and you call her a whore. Sydney Ellen Wade has done nothing to you, Bob. She has done nothing but put herself through school, represent the interests of public school teachers, and lobby for the safety of our natural resources. You want a character to debate, Bob? You better stick with me. Because Sidney Ellen Wade is way out of your league. I've loved two women in my life. I lost one to cancer. And I lost the other because I was so busy keeping my job, I forgot to do my job. Well, that ends right now. Tomorrow morning, the White House is sending a bill to Congress for its consideration. It's White House Resolution 455, an energy bill requiring a 20% reduction of the emission of fossil fuels over the next 10 years. It is by far the most aggressive stride ever taken in the fight to reverse the effects of global warming. 
The other piece of legislation is the crime bill. As of today, it no longer exists. I'm throwing it out. I'm throwing it out and writing a law that makes sense. You cannot address crime prevention without getting rid of assault weapons and handguns. I consider them a threat to national security, and I will go door to door if I have to, but I'm going to convince Americans that I'm right, and I'm going to get the guns. We've got serious problems, and we need serious people. And if you want to talk about character, Bob, you better come at me with more than a burning flag and a membership card. If you want to talk about character and American values, fine. Just tell me where and when, and I'll show up. This is a time for serious people, Bob, and your 15 minutes are up. My name is Andrew Shepard, and I am the president. So he actually, I don't know if anybody thinks about this or if uh, it hits anybody. The thing that actually puts him into action is not... Bob Rumson coming after him for dating a girl. It's actually Bob Rumson going after Sidney Ellen Wade. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, and, and so that is, that's where he goes on the character attack and it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. His last line again, because Sidney Ellen Wade is way out of your league. Yeah. Like, <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> when he says your 15 minutes are up, just like, I want to run through a wall. Yeah, for that guy. He's like, yeah, because your 15 minutes are up. And like, I got goosebumps now. Just say, like, right. thinking about it. But it's such a good, first off, that is just so well written. Right. And Michael Douglas crushes it. Yeah. Yeah. And then the side scenes of his staff watching it happen and, and more, more Michael J. Fox going, like, Michael J. Fox is like, yeah. Yeah, finally. Yeah. Finally, my president is back. Yeah. Such a good, such a good. Scene. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, again, like, I hate to, well, I don't hate, let's make connections. Like, I, I don't know. It, it's one of those scenes where, again, my skin crawled a little bit. My, I was like, ooh, yeah, ooh, I like this. Um, <laughs> we, we, we've all, I, I think everyone, and if you haven't, I'm so sorry. Like, we've all been around someone or we've heard someone talk or been in the presence of someone who's like, Yes, I would like to follow this person or yes, whatever this person says to do, I'm going to do. Some of us have had bosses like that. We've had friends like that um, uh, or family maybe that we've that that, you know, whatever they say, they just elicit this this command over you of like, I deserve your your support because this is what I, I'm passionate about this belief and in that speech, I, I felt the passion of Michael Douglas, and that's what made me like get the goosebumps also like, oh, OK, like I, I would I would help this guy out. I'd vote for this guy. Right. If, yeah. if this is how he's talking and this is what he believes. I can get behind that, and I did think you, everyone can kind of relate to that feeling in some way. Yeah. Did you get goosebumps the first time? Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's it's. Sometimes I, I don't get goosebumps the first time, but like the the time I go and watch it again, I'll get goosebumps. Like the Charlie yeah, Wilson's yeah. War has like a hundred goosebump moments. Yeah. For me, but um, well, you know, Sorkin does it. That and oh, you, I mean, you've got to give some some credit to the director here, Rob Rayner, as well. Like Rob Reiner, Reiner, my bad. Yeah, no, um, you're good. 
yeah um i mean they do the great slow pan on like yep. closer and closer to michael douglas's face and then they'll cut to the to the support staff and then they'll be closer to the president and you're just like ooh, anticipating anticipation building like he's gonna deliver just a knockout line right yeah. now and yeah. so you're you're ready for it and when it comes around and they also use i mean the score for this is very formal and very presidential but the score really helps you out as well with a scene like that don't you kind of wish the news would start with a wide shot on the president and then just <laughs> slowly pan in yeah maybe maybe not the last two presidents but sort of like 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 obama like he was so he had so much gravitas right so it's yeah like you zoom in on him and it's like like creates the drama yeah yeah and yeah. you know for some people that really liked obama whenever i talk about like that passionate charisma people felt that for him you know like they oh felt yeah like, like oh wow like i can get you know i might not have ever considered myself part of that political party before but like i like what he's saying like strictly by how he's saying it well i don't want to get into like political speeches yeah. too much but his his speech as an illinois i think he was the illinois state senator in 04 yeah when Kerry ran mm-hmm. like, uh, i remember the, the, obama giving that like presidents with that kind of like draw mm-hmm. and right michael douglas had something writing for him but he is michael douglas i mean he is right yeah yeah in in all of movies probably my second favorite president next to bill pullman from independence day so like <laughs> you, no. you just get <laughs> okay sorry come on, bill continue on. Continue on. <laughs> we could do a whole we could do a whole thing on movie presidents but <laughs> we could yeah. Um, yeah it's just it's just so good i got a couple of other ones we don't have to play them but um when when michael douglas finally admits they're playing pool two two great scenes in the movie by the way uh surround a pool a billiards table um michael douglas is like i like her i want to call her and then aj says if you want if you need some (laughs) kind of companionship we can make arrangements for that that would be very secretive and like michael douglas is like i don't need a hooker like yeah. i just i actually like this woman yeah that's one and then uh we're not talking the i guess michael douglas's daughter in the movie is kind of a minor role but she's a good you know she's we talk about like 90s 90s kid good 90s kid yeah. kind of the the other true north like the yeah. non-presidential true north sure and uh Sydney Allen Wade's coming over for dinner and they're having meatloaf. Yeah. <laughs> have you had Hasn't meatloaf? I have had meatloaf a couple of times. It's Do not you like meat. No, no not, meatloaf not really. Is literally your garbage mixed with yeah. hamburger baked in a cookie sheet. <laughs> Ooh, what are we going to have for dinner? I have nothing except they, for hamburger. What are we going to do? Come over. Yeah. You should come over. It's meatloaf night. And my first reaction would be like, what are you having for dinner tomorrow, Mr. President? Right, yeah. Because I'm not coming over for meatloaf. Maybe filet, uh, <laughs> a porterhouse, something we like have, that. Like, the greatest cooks in America at your disposal, right? Back in call, and you're right. making meatloaf for a woman that you want to court. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's supposed to be like the hoaxy, you know, 
we're all we're just an american family kind of come over and have an average evening with us but it does i get maybe 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 never had that's probably true maybe they've never had meatloaf but like i want to write aaron circle like meatloaf really meatloaf Meatloaf." Uh, nothing else here i know we did favorite scenes and we'll do rankings and i get my movie for next week and i already have a good idea of what it's going to be but you really we haven't talked about it um how did west wing come about so this is because you got martin sheen who's the president in the West Wing. He's the chief of staff. You have a very A.J. Uh, uh, McInerney, Andrew Shepard, uh, Jed Bartlett, Leo McGarry, similarity in relationships between right. president and chief of staff, best friends, all that stuff. Sorkin wrote this movie and he was done and somebody said to him, like, you should think about TV. And he had never thought about TV before. Okay. And he goes, I don't know what I would do for TV. And somebody said, why don't you do The American President, but, <laughs> but make it a TV show? Oh, wow. Okay. And Sorkin was like, well, I don't, you know, I don't, nobody wants to see a show about the president. And uh, I forget who it was, but it was a mentor. Of his was like, but the show's not about the president. The show is about the staff. Yeah. Okay. And so... And so Sorkin took that and he wrote the first four seasons of The West Wing. Wow. Yeah. So The West Wing was birthed from the American president. That's crazy. And um, yeah, it's crazy. And there are scenes in, in West Wing that very good directorial work where there's not many movies where the president is talking and he's faded away in the background. Yeah. There are several scenes in The West Wing where right the president's talking and you can't even make them out right yeah and so yeah. uh sorkin took the american president and the work of michael j fox and uh, anna devere smith and aj mcinerney and made it probably the best tv drama of our life yeah yeah so I, that's the connection yeah one of my notes and it's funny that you say that because i didn't know that before um it said i said lots of clues that this is a west wing the prequel movie yeah like, you could have very well have done the west wing and then did this before it um as a like a prequel and like you know my wife has also seen the west wing she said the exact same thing she's like this is like this is just the west wing but in two hours instead of you know 200 episodes or whatever it ended up making yeah and the addition i mean uh martin sheen being in it is fine there's a funny story so aaron sorkin called martin sheen to be the president in uh the west wing and martin sheen the humble as he is is like you actually remember me <laughs> and aaron sorkin is like yeah you were yeah in a movie i did and then martin yeah. Sheen's like yeah i was aj McInerney in the, the american president and he's like yeah i know and then Sorkin lists off all these other movies that that Martin Sheen's in. He's like, yeah, those are good movies. He's like, but I was McInerney in your movie. And then Sorkin goes, Sorkin goes, Martin, I know you are. I know who you are as well as the rest of the Western world. <laughs> and, then, and then he invites him to be the president on the West Wing. So last thing, and then we'll do our movies. Yeah. We'll do your movies. Um, there's a scene in this movie that ties directly to a scene in 
the West Wing about a proportional response. And we're just going to listen to that now and then we'll talk about it afterwards very briefly. And how many people are working in the building? We've been all through the... How many people are working in the damn building? I have the numbers here, Mr. President. There are three shifts of... The fewest. What shift has the fewest people? The night shift, right? By far, sir. Mostly custodial staff. What time does the night shift start? They're on now, sir. AJ. Sir, it's immediate, it's decisive, it's low risk, and it's a proportional response. Someday someone's going to have to explain to me the virtue of a proportional response. Mr. President. Attack. Robin, as soon as our planes have cleared Libyan airspace, you can call the press, but I don't know what time we'll have a full BDA. Uh, General Rourke says around 0800. 0800? Sir, what do you think about a national address? Last thing I want to do is put the Libyan center stage. Well, I think it's a great idea, sir. I mean, you know Rumson's going to be talking about your lack of military service. It's not about Rumson. What I did tonight was not about political gain. Yes, but it can be, sir. What you did tonight was very presidential. Leon, somewhere in Libya right now, janitor's working the night shift at the Libyan intelligence headquarters. He's going about doing his job because he has no idea in about an hour he's going to die in a massive explosion. He's just going about his job because he has no idea that about an hour ago I gave an order to have him killed. You just see me do the least presidential thing I do. So in the West Wing, uh, there's a there's a it's very early in the first five episodes of the series in the first season. The president's doctor gets bombed out of the sky and he's very mad and he's seen as a weak non-military president, just like Shepard. So there's a scene where they have to plan to bomb this country. Right. Yep. And and Bartlett Martin Sheen in the West Wing is like, somebody explain to me what a proportional response is. We get the same exact scene here. And it's just, that is like, if you are like a diehard West Wing fan and you watch this movie second, you're like, oh, wait, wait, yeah, wait. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like the same right. thing. Yeah. 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 It's just, a good, and, it's just, a, and again, to think like that interaction between Sorkin and uh, Martin Sheen. I mean, I was looking it up. The West Wing starts only four years after yeah. the American president. Yeah. Like, yep. Yeah, I'm gonna remember you. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna remember you. You were in a whole freaking movie that I did. Right. Yeah. Um. That that's that's a great scene. That whole series is is great. If you like this movie, I've never seen The West Wing. Like, you need to watch The West Wing. Um, yeah. Or vice versa. But yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Rankings. 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 Uh, I'm giving it a ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. Okay. I'm gonna give it an eight out of ten. Um. I love love the interactions between Michael Douglas and his staff. Uh, Martin Sheen, I think, does a great job. He's my top top role, best job in this movie as AJ. Um, just really sells the whole thing. Um, the only thing I can really dock this points for is that um, I wish that there was more. There's a lot of comedy and stuff. I wish there was more like raw emotion between Michael Douglas and Annette Bening. Um, more of that romance that that we're we're falling for each other. 
I didn't really get that. Um, I got it as more of like an intellectual kind of war into each other. I don't know. They're both older, like, you know, they're not in their twenties falling in love. So maybe that's it. Um, But uh, it wasn't really a very passionate love that I saw there. And that's the only, I mean, honestly, that's the only thing I can dock it for. Um, And I, I also struggle to give out 10 out of 10s. Um, you've now said that there's two movies that you gave out 10 out of 10. I've only given out one. So well, that there's that. I go back and watch these things and I'm like, oh, wait, why did I give this only an eight? Uh, my did it best real quick is Michael J. Fox. He crushed it. There's several scenes where you're just like, I can't believe this is Michael J. Fox. All right. That is the American president. All right, Brandon. So this is our second episode about the presidency of the United States. That's true. We've had Dave and now the American president. Yeah. Yeah. And you are a history teacher by training. Proudly. And you tried to embarrass me with Roman trivia <laughs> after we did Gladiator. That's true, yes. So I have a quick what? quiz oh, no. for you okay. about presidential history. Uh, all right. Are you, uh, are you willing to take this? Uh, sure. I all am right. terrible. At... Okay. All right. Yeah, well, let's, let's do it. Let's see how you do on this. Okay. Who is the only president to be elected without <sighs> the only president to be elected without a party affiliation? Without a part, uh, George Washington. That is correct. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. First political partisans show up until eighteen oh four. That's correct. Yes. Good job. Yeah. Um, other than George W. Bush and George H. W. Bush, John Adams, John Quincy. Only- what? Go ahead. Who are the only other father and son to hold office of president? <laughs> John Adams, second president of the United States. John Quincy Adams. Uh, I want to say he's number five. Nope, six. Is it number five? Six. Six. Five. He's number six. Okay, cool. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, good job. I'll take it. Who established the first nation? Let me reread that. I'm sorry. Who established the nation's first national park? And what park was it? Established on March 1st, 1872. 1872? Yes, yeah, uh, not who you think. No, it's not. It is, it's uh, Yosemite, right? It's not Yosemite. No, it's Yellowstone. It's Yellowstone. Yellowstone, uh, 1972. Oh, I'm sorry, 1872. Uh, that is that uh, Ulysses S. Grant. It is Ulysses S. Grant. All right. right. Yeah, good job. I mean, I gave you some hints, but it wasn't you. Did. Some, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You thought it was gonna be Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, you thought it was gonna be Teddy Roosevelt. I did because he's the <laughs> National Park guy. He actually started the National Park. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, consequently, this was gonna be a trivia question, but you got it right. Ulysses S. Grant, the first United States president to see the Pacific Ocean with his own eyes. Oh, good for him. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Most people, when they die, are buried with their head on a pillow. Andrew Johnson is buried with his head on what? Oh, my God, I have no idea. Um, Let's go with his head on a sack of beans. (laughs) Am I right? It's close. Oh, is it really? Buried. On a copy of the Constitution. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> kidding, kidding, the Constitution is nothing like a second. Sure, sure. 
Okay. Um, who is the first president to give a speech on television? Um, uh, da, da. Speech, not a press conference. Franklin Delano Roosevelt? Harry S. <clears throat> oh, that's late. Yes. Okay. Like a, a formal speech on to the people on television. Not recorded. Not yes. recorded. Okay. That's where I screwed up. Ugh, God, yeah. I'm so dumb. Who is the first president to give a speech over the radio? Nobody even thinks of this guy. So if you get this, I'll be flabbergasted. Uh, radio. Uh, Taft. Warren G. G. Harding. Harding. Uh, first president <clears throat> to speak on the radio. That's so and so. That's such and such. I I can't even tell, I can't even tell you one presidential fact about warden gene harding and i'm a history teacher you can yeah oh yeah i can (laughs) uh there was only one president throughout his whole term to not have any turnover in his cabinet who was oh geez zero turnover no turnover can you give me a century there's three centuries you can give me yes is it the is it the twentieth century? See, I always get the centuries mixed up because is it the nineteen hundreds? Because whatever no whatever hundreds it is, <laughs> right? You take plus a, one. You add a so it's the nineteenth century. So the eighteen hundreds. Um, Lincoln. No, no. You think Lincoln had no turnover? That dude was. I well, I thought maybe you know the war's on. Maybe people stayed loyal during the war. I mean, I get no, I get it. I just think that Lincoln probably had some Confederates in his. Oh, that's true. <laughs> in his, yeah, in his early, his early cabinet yeah. before. Yeah, so this guy was uh, here. I'll give you an even bigger hit. Okay, this guy was the fourteenth president. Oh, I don't know. Um, pre Lincoln, pre Civil War, pre Civil War fourteen. Someone's literally yelling at the podcast. Te- is it yeah. Teddy? No, no, that's that's after. Yeah, he was in the 19th. I know, I know. Shush you. Um, Andrew Jackson. Franklin Pierce. Oh, Franklin Pierce? Everybody knows who Franklin Pierce is. Invaded Mexico. He did. He did. Yeah, that's all I know. <laughs> you got Texas from it. <laughs> yeah, right. Franklin, okay. All right, I'm going to go two more. I'm okay. Go two more questions. Uh, this is the only president to have never been married ever. Uh, Jackson, and no, he's had a he had a wife. Elected a bachelor, out a bachelor. Bachelor. Um, I'm freezing. Taft. (laughs) You just talked about Taft. I know. I did. I know. I froze. I don't know. It's James Buchanan. That's okay. <laughs> James Buchanan. Everybody uh, thinks like, oh yeah, I can do, I could totally do presidential trivia. And then you forget oh, about guys yeah. like Warren G. Harding. Right. James Buchanan and the guy that Taft. I already forgot, Franklin Pierce. Yeah, don't forget Taft. Okay, first off, Taft. Taft throughout the first pitch at a baseball game. He created the seventh inning stretch. He had to be craned out of the White House <laughs> because he was too fat and stuck in a bathtub. So, that's and, all i need to know no 
And okay. Okay. His most famous trivia. I I don't know. The only president to be president and then oh, uh, uh, Supreme nominated Court Justice as a Supreme Court Justice. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you that. He's also the here's third. A fun, here's a fun one that's not on my. Who's the only president to be president and then go back to working in the House of Representatives? Uh, I don't. I. I don't know. I don't know that one. Um, Quincy Adams. John. Qu- okay, John Quincy Adams. Okay, that's early. Last question. Last question. How's what's my score? We're gonna have to go through and listen. Okay, it's cool. not great. It's not. It's not great. There's some random stuff, man. Yeah. There's some random stuff. Oh, I got two questions for you. Two more. Okay. Questions. All right. So, we've mentioned Taft several thousand times in the last two minutes. Yep. President Taft and his wife. The Tafts. The Tafts. Great docu-series coming up on HBO Max. <laughs> the Tafts. Um, the wife of President Taft is best known for introducing these to Washington, D.C. Taft. Is it the... Um, it, it's the, the... Oh, shoot. What is it called? Um the it's not the rose garden it's the japanese trees what are they called um japanese dot what did it help the me cherry here. blossoms the cherry blossoms i'm <laughs> giving you that you're getting it put one up on the board for mr lewis on the board he needs help the cherry blossoms okay good the cherry I, blossoms okay. yes i do remember that okay he planted the first of what would be three thousand cherry blossoms oh that's fantastic native to japan that's great last question First president to reside in the White House. Uh, da, da, da. Uh, Thomas Jefferson. John. <laughs> See, it was being built during John Adams. I didn't know if he got to stay in it. Well, that's it for the presidential trivia quiz. That was horrible. I feel awful. You got three right. <laughs> <laughs> Barely. You gave me the last one. The I know. Cherry blossom. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, lots of incorrect answers. That Thank was you. fun. Yeah, that thanks fun. for that. Yeah. That's me getting you back for nailing the episode recap before we even that's that's right. The movie. That's right. All right. Okay. Uh, we're going to 2005, a movie called Serenity. What are your first thoughts on the title Serenity? 2005, I'm going with uh, somebody creates a machine. We both play Assassin's Creed. Something like the Animus, where you get uh, to transport yourself. I would call it augmented reality. It's called augmented reality. And like (laughs) your life uh, could be way more peaceful than it actually is right now. I've never heard of this movie. Okay. It's kind of a cult cult favorite um i don't think it was a huge blockbuster but it is a really good sci-fi movie for the era can i get a star give me a give me an actor uh nathan fillion great never heard of him (laughs) okay gina torres Okay. All right. Cool. So we're gonna have a lot of fun next. It's gonna year. be great. I can't wait. This is gonna be the first. No, it's gonna be like I, I think you really like literally. It. Well, Baby Driver, I pretty much just. This is gonna be a Baby Driver too. Yeah. Right. Right. 
All right. All right for uh, Brandon Lewis, I'm Jim Remiger. For Aaron Sorkin, I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you for writing The American President. Rob Reiner, thank you for directing. Special thanks to Russell's Reserve Bourbon and Nab Creek. You are one of our favorites, and your single barrel select is fantastic. We will see you next week where I review a movie I've never heard of with two actors I've never heard of. Serenity. Thank you for listening to In Flight Movie Podcast. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the In Flight Movie Podcast. We know you have approximately 4 million movie podcasts to choose from, and we appreciate you trusting your time with us here. You can follow us on Twitter at InFlightPod and Instagram at InFlightMoviePod for updates on upcoming shows and even DM us suggestions for movies you would like reviewed. Thanks again for joining us.